Stories are amazing. I love to tell stories. Actually, when I go to cities, in a new city, I always like to go, and don't tell that to everybody, to your neighbors, okay? But it's secret here within us. I like to go to ghost tours. Later on. I like to go to ghost tours. I like to see, uh, they take me to, you know, in this little car, or this little carriage, and they take you to these places around town, and they tell you stories. Oh, well, things happened many years ago, and why there may be some residual energy there called a ghost. <laughs> so I love stories. And one of the best ones that I've been uh, lately was in Savannah. For New Year's Day, I was there with, my, with Loida, my wife, and, and, and we were hanging out in the tour, and we took the night, the dark tour. I found out that the guys who were telling the stories were actually professional storytellers from the drama school of SCAD. An amazing academy for arts in, in many ways. Uh, Savannah, something, arts academy, something like that. A great place, CAD. And they were professional storytellers. And they had us there as they're telling their stories of past ghosts and things that used to happen in that city way back then. Our tradition, our heritage, what God has left us are stories. Our stories of people from old, people from new, and they're new because we can relate to those stories. The stories are built and are designed in such a way that you and I can relate to them because we are human beings. They were human beings. The stories are told in such a way in which we are the fools <laughs> many times. And God is the wise, sovereign, and graceful God. And we then have to fall in line. I'm going to invite you this coming month of July. There are five Sundays. I want to be sharing some stories of grace. We've been talking about how the Holy Spirit does two things in our lives. He what? The first thing the Holy Spirit does is takes the words of Jesus and makes them real in our life. Remember that one? And the second one is, what's the second one? It helps us understand God. Okay. And this is what happens. When God gets involved in our lives, that is what happens. It is the Holy Spirit who is involved in our lives. It is the Holy Spirit who is attempting to make the words of Jesus real flesh in time and space right here and now. It is the words of, it is the Holy Spirit through the actions of God in our life that invites us to understand and comprehend how God works in our lives day in and day out. I, I met a young man this week. He actually lives in Kandahar. He is a, 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 a soldier. He is at the Air Force in, in that city, uh, Kabul. And, and uh, he loves Jesus. And he has amazing stories. And he tells me that he, in the solitude of that place, that he many times remembers the story. Actually, he says, I sometimes make them up. And he was asking me, is that wrong to make up or exaggerate or just go on with the story? I said, uh, don't tell anyone a secret. The Jewish community has been doing that for centuries. They're called Midraj. <laughs> so they're there. So join me this month as we discover stories of, of the boy who heard the voice of God, next week of the girl, of the girl who discovered God, and we're going to go on stories, uh, listening to stories about God's people and God's involvement in people's lives, and then let's see if it makes any sense to our lives. So let us listen to the first story as, as we approach in the first book of Samuel, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Listen to and for the word of the Lord. 
The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called out, Samuel! And Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me? But Eli said, I, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli, you know, and here I am, you call me. And my son, Eli, had said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did, now listen to this. Samuel did not know the Lord. Now, listen to this. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord, uh, Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you call me. I wonder who was getting annoyed here. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there. Did you ever notice that? The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words, he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground and all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear in Shiloh, in Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. The word of the Lord. I've always had this contention with myself and perhaps this frustration with myself. I've even had imagery, imagination trips of how bad I am and how awful I am when I don't hear God's Word. I've had experiences where the Lord has been speaking to me through three weeks in a row, and I don't get it. And when I get it, I said, I should have had a V8. Because it was right there in my face the whole time. Any of you have had that kind of experience? It happens. It happens. So, so uh, listening to God is an art. Let me be honest with you. It is an art. It is a discipline. It is not your conscience, as we heard in our class. God uses our conscience. But listening to God is actually an art. You have to be a master listener. You have to be a master observer. You have to look beyond what's there, to be able to get what the Lord may be speaking to you. 
See what I'm saying? God is always wishing to speak to us. Many times we are praying and praying and praying, and, and God, I want this, I want this, I want this. Lord, do this. Lord, bless this. You know, and we are just da 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 And we don't quiet down and listen. It is a conversation. Many times the Lord doesn't answer to me. Actually, somebody say, I gave up on faith because I never hear God. This week I heard, I read. I gave up on God. And I said, really? Why are you and I are speaking? And he said, whoa. <laughs> really? So the problem is not God speaking to us. Never. God's word is always there. I always contend that the Bible, the Scripture, it is the only book that comes with its own author, the Holy Spirit, to argue with us, to contend with us, to wrestle down us, basically. And that Jesus' character is formed in our lives. So the problem is not that God is not speaking to us. May I suggest the real problem is that we do not know how to listen to God. As the hymn said, come away from rush and hurry. Come away from the loud sounds of the world, the busyness of our worries. Come just away from all of that. Stories of grace will describe to us how God actually creates a space in our lives. It could be in Kandahar. It could be in the middle of the Caribbean. It could be in the middle of hot Georgia summer, especially in my apartment at 70. And God will speak there as I walk daisy too with the heat. Paul describes it this way. As God speaks to us, he says, and the hope does not put us to shame. The fact that God is speaking to us, that doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God has poured out grace through the Spirit and planted grace in our hearts. Now, grace is that unconditional acceptance from God. May I repeat? It is that unconditional, undeserved, free favor of God. We don't understand it because it is free. We don't actually accept accept it fully because it is free. We don't understand it because it is free, and we just don't like to accept things for free because we know that there is nothing for free. But believe me, and believe God, God's grace is for free. In this life of Samuel, as Samuel is serving in the temple, there's a story back there. The story is that Hannah or Anna, Samuel's mother, was barren. She didn't have a kid. And, and, and she actually, in the first and second chapter of the book, we've read chapter 3, but in the first and second chapter, you have the background to the story. The people of Israel are actually having a hard time. It is the period of the judges. The judges like Deborah, like Samson, like Gideon, like Abimelech. That's the period in which they're, they're experiencing. Eli is the judge at this time. He's becoming older. He's becoming irrelevant. Actually, his kids who are supposed to inherit the position, they're nasty, immoral people who are not going to inherit the place. So the people realize that, and there's some big transitions happening in Israel. The Philistines are a pest. They are continuously attacking Israel. They are continuously taking some, uh, destroying their crops. They are continuously stealing the, the, the sheep and, and the herds that the people of Israel would take care of. That's the setting. Now, 
the Lord blesses Hannah and gives her this child, and she actually makes the negotiation or the promise or the vow, if you give me a, a child, I will dedicate him to you. And she actually does that. Samuel is born, and when Samuel is four years old, when he's weaned at four years old, he's then taken to the temple to be trained, to be raised as a priest in the house of Israel. Now, at this time of the story, when we catch up and, and he's having this sleep, he's about seven years old. Seven or eight years old is what most theologians say. And, and he's actually sleeping. He actually was in charge of making sure that the lamp did not, that the oil did not run out in the lamp of the temple. So uh, he would, you know, once in a while he would check it. Oh, we have a few more Sundays here. Yeah. Check the lamp. But over there, I guess that it was pure oil, and the oil was refined every day, so it was fresh, fresh oil. This one stays here every week. That was the mandate for the worship with that lamp. So Samuel's job was to make sure that that thing stayed lit all the time. That was his job. Want to join me? <laughs> and as he is doing that, he's asleep and he hears a voice. He hears a voice. He gets up. But this is the Samuel that was dedicated before he was born to the glory of God. This is the Samuel that was raised as an apprentice priest, as a priest in training, living in, in, in the amazing temple of God. Can you imagine that? This is the Samuel through his leadership. Through his leadership, he is now an older or a young adult, and he actually leads the people of Israel against the Philistines, and they take over back the ark that was stolen from them. They bring it back, and they restore the worship of Israel. And because of that, he then becomes now the judge. So he's now the judge. And this is the same Samuel that during his uh, life he was committed to the priority of God's sovereignty, to the fact that the word of the Lord was first. He was known for that. This is the Samuel who entered into an argument with God because the people of God were tired of an old judge. Now Samuel was old. And they were sick of him. And they now wanted a king like all the other nations around them. So Samuel doesn't really get it. And Samuel begins his argument with God. They are going to reject you. You know, he's like defending God. You know, I'm, I'm for you, God. And, and the people says, no, we don't want God to be, we don't want you to be our judge. We want a king to rule. And in the argument, actually, Samuel finds out that it is not all about him. And his prophecies, and his idea, and his agenda for Israel, but it is God's agenda for Israel. It is God's agenda for the people. It is God's agenda for you and for me. This is the Samuel that in obedience with God, he goes ahead and anoints Saul. This is the Samuel that sticks to Saul and is the prophet of Saul who is able to confront him and he's not afraid of Saul when he has to be afraid, when, when he has to confront Saul. And this is the, the Samuel that after a while of, of, of soul breaking and just going away from the ways of God, he gave him up. And then the Lord asked him, go find another king. And he went to the house of Jesse. And there were some brothers there, but it wasn't it. And then they asked, who is there somebody else? Oh, yeah, but he's the runt. I mean, he's the runt of the family. Yeah. His name is David. And it is his soul who brings David and anoints him. 
the new king of Israel. It is this Samuel who actually is able to transition the people of Israel from the time, from the period of tribes and, and, and rivalry of nomad tribes, which was Israel, to now a nation forming a people, becoming together against his will. But he obeyed what he felt God wanted because for Samuel, God's priorities were first. This is the older prophet that is able to identify the voice of God. That as we heard, God spoke with him in the sanctuary. That as he grew up, he was able to identify that amazing voice of God. This is the Samuel that now knows the Lord, that now recognizes the word of the Lord, and now is able to speak in the name of the Lord. This is the Samuel. But how did it all begin? How did it all start? Was he a wonder boy? They had his, his uh, um, what, green and red custom with a cape. I got me a cape. <laughs> a black cape. <laughs> Is that? No. It began with our story. It began with that one night where he was laying down, and remember, he did not even know God. He didn't know who God was. But isn't that amazing that he is growing up in the temple of the Lord? He is raised in the temple of the Lord. He is day in and day out in the duties of the temple of the Lord, and he does not know God. I wonder how many of us have that experience, that we come in and out of the temple of the Lord, we come in and out of church, and we get so busy that we forget that what we do and who we are is because of a relationship with God. It's because of a communion that God initiated. So how did this all begin? Did he get up and seek the Lord? No. It was the other way around, like grace. Right, grace? Like grace. God initiated it. God approached. God broke the silence. God broke the darkness. God removed everything that was between him and Samuel, the little pig squeak, the little lad. And the kid did not recognize the voice. That's the first thing. So one thing is that we recognize that God calls us first. That is initial. You are here this morning because in some way, shape, or form, I don't know what God used to bring you here this morning. Whether it was guilt, I don't know. Whether it was shame, whether it was curiosity, whether it was just a sheer, I don't have anything else to do but go there. And that's fine. That's your excuse. God has better reasons for you to be here. So it begins with a little boy being exposed to the things of God. Notice the things of God, the rituals, the traditions, the practices, but he did not know God. Yet it was that God who, who erupted, who just broke through the silence, broke through the ignorance, broke through the darkness, and approached, initiated, and reached out to young Samuel. And as young Samuel continued in that relationship with God, young Samuel began to recognize the voice of God in his life. Young adult Samuel began to listen and recognize the voice of God in his life. And adult Samuel had a difficulty, but eventually was able to listen again to the voice of God. I wonder how many of us are able to have that ability to recognize God's voice when God is calling us. Because again, the problem is not that God is not speaking with us. 
The problem is not that God does not want to guide us, to inspire us, to lead us, to tell us. The problem is that we may be looking for God's voice in the wrong places. And not having that one space to listen through God's Word. Notice there were two things revealed. The Lord was revealed and the Word of the Lord was revealed to him. Those two things. Listen to how the psalmist who was anointed by this old prophet writes it. I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying. For he speaks peace to his faithful people, but let them not return to their foolish ways. In another psalm he writes, For he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. If only you would listen to his voice today. Jesus is more confrontational. Jesus is more in your face. You know, Jesus is right there. And he just says, people, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to God. But if you don't listen, it's because you don't not belong to God. Ugh. So let's listen. Let's pay attention. Stories like this make a kid grow in faith. Stories like this make an adult walk straight. You agree? Amen. Let us have a moment of prayer. Dear God, that the light in your sanctuary was symbolic of your eternal presence, of you revealing yourself to the people there in darkness. Your light represented also your sovereignty, your authority, your majesty over the realm that you created, seen and unseen. We thank you, Lord, that you revealed to us your word, but we ask you this particular morning to speak to us. Teach us how your word sounds in our heart. Teach us to listen carefully, to pay attention to what you are lovingly and so gracefully speaking to us. Through Christ our Lord, we thank you. Amen.